there's so many cultural references. There's <laughs> a I'm lot. I'm not even from Toronto. I'm like, <laughs> I was a little bit lost with one of these. And we'll talk about it. But you're you're a proud Torontonian now. Now. And we yeah. accept, we take everybody. I'm not from Toronto either, but like. This is not like a New York thing where you have to live in New York for 10 years to be a New Yorker. You're a Torontonian. The bar is much lower in this. It's like like you visited once you can be part of Toronto. It's fine. Yeah. I'm claiming my perch. I love it. Hello. Welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. Today we are talking about Views by Drake released in 2016 under Cash Money Records, Republic Records, and Young Money Entertainment. And my guest is... Farah. Hey, hi. (laughs) Farah, welcome back. It's been 11 episodes since you've been on the pod. I've missed you. I've missed you too, but I've been keeping up with some of your episodes. Been loving listening to the pod. I know that you mentioned your Bone Shaker one, and I really like that one about, um, what was the artist again? Oh, Vampire Uh, Weekend. (laughs) Vampire Weekend, yeah. And I had no idea that Bone Shakers were what they used to call bicycles. The more you know the more you know. But anyway, I, I thought that was pretty cool. It, it makes me feel like I have my friends in my living room with me <laughs> at a time where I can't be in the same space as my friends. So I have my imaginary friends talking to music, talking about music, pardon me, with me. Uh, well, <laughs> hey, like happy to be <laughs> happy to be part of the, the virtual circle of friends there. It's so nice to have you back on the pod, though. Like you've been one of our longstanding members from the beginning, way back in episode seven, I think was the first time you ever joined yeah. us. And we're kind of going back to um, the R&B aficionado era of Farah a little bit. There's a, the, a lot of different flavors in this record, but you kind of jumped around on the podcast. You've done rock records. You've done uh, this will be a rap record, R&B, um, you know, alternative rock with John Mayer. Like you've kind of d- done it all. I feel like you've been very well-rounded as a guest. Oh, thank you. So honored. <laughs> I feel like I'm accepting a Grammy. I'm like, oh, thank you. I'd like to thank no. Thank you to the Academy. Yeah. Thank you to the Academy. Yeah. And I'd like to thank my mom. Um, yeah, no, thank you for having me. Honestly, like this has been such a fun thing to do and a great opportunity because I've been learning so much about music and I used to listen to this album that we're going to talk about a lot, very passively. Um, And actually, as I was doing my research, I was learning a lot about Toronto and Drake and just the music scene here. So you've, you've got a good thing going on. Well, thank you. Thank you. And speaking of learning a lot, I hear you've uh, begun a bit of a a rabbit hole, gone down a rabbit hole, so to speak, of the the how-tos in the TikTok world. Tell me a little bit more about what you what you how you've been spending your time on TikTok right now. Yeah. So I have been, I guess if people know what TikTok is, you should know by now. Um <laughs> there's a an algorithm and they send you a lot of basically videos that are supposed to spike your dopamine, things that you like. And the more videos you watch, the more, I guess, they will know what you like. So besides stupid videos, um, TikTok (laughs) likes to send me a lot of informative stuff. So lately I've been getting into a lot of um, creators that just talk about music. And if you ask me what creators, like what their handle is, like, I can't remember. I I try to sneak by TikTok and not like save things down because yeah, but <laughs> I'm like half half foot, half in, half out TikTok. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, I've been learning a lot about some of the sampling work. Um, I know that's a huge thing in R&B and hip hop where they sample a lot of music from the past, a lot of Motown records. And I mean, I've also been watching a lot of documentaries about that too. So it's been really cool to just learn about something that I love so much. And I'm, I'm really excited about this record specifically because there's just so many things that are so relatable um, because, you know, we live in Canada and we live in Toronto. 
Absolutely. A hundred percent. Well, I'm so excited to talk about this album with you. I do know how much you love Drake, how much you love this record. So uh, what do you say we just get into it and uh, maybe give the listeners a bit of a backstory on how Drake became the sixth God. All right, let's do it. Drake, also known as Aubrey Drake Graham or The Sixth God, is one of the most widely known rappers in the world, hailing from one of the greatest cities in the world, Toronto, Ontario. And yes, and this is actually a big deal, Farah. You and I both live in Toronto, and this is the first uh, Toronto born artist we've ever reviewed on the pod. Episode 38 only took us 38 episodes. Yeah, um, I love it. And I love that this is your first choice because there are some other choices from um, the six. Um, there, there's a lot of other R&B artists, sorry. And, and I know that like you've got a big plethora of, you know, your taste in music, which is awesome. Um, but of course, there's another famous Canadian and I'm, I'm glad you chose this Canadian over that other Canadian. Oh, he, he who will not be named. We're going to go with that. Yeah, maybe. The Voldemort um, of the episode. Well, I guess he's not really a Voldemort. He's not that bad of a guy, but... I mean, I, I have my allegiances with Drake. I'll just say that. <laughs> totally fair. Noted. Noted. <laughs> um, but Drake's been around for a while. Our first glimpse of him came when he was just 15 years old, when he landed an acting gig on the Canadian drama series Degrassi, The Next Generation, which he starred on for uh, seven years, from 2001 to 2008. He was on for a long time. Wow. I didn't know that. I know. I thought he was on for like a couple seasons, like Jimmy. Like I didn't realize how big of a character he was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's that whole storyline, right? Where he like gets shot and then is in the wheelchair. And then, yeah. Yeah. I, I I used to try to find episodes of Drake and Degrassi when I was young because I was obsessed with him in high school and I could never. So anyway, hopefully now with all these streaming services, I eventually can and, and will watch them. But yeah, that's kind of funny. That's how he started his career I guess in the entertainment industry I know just you know down home homegrown Canadian TV show that so many of us so many of us didn't watch but I'm sure there was quite the audience for it as well but while he was on Degrassi he also produced his first mixtape which was called Room for Improvement Mm. can you guess how many copies this mixtape sold Farah oh my gosh it's very modest does it start with a six it does actually (laughs) oh okay 60 a uh, 6,000. Oh, 6,000. <laughs> My boy Drake is doing better than I thought. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I mean, clearly that's, I, I say modest compared to like the millions of records he's sold now. But like for somebody who's just on, on Degrassi, like making a mixtape, 6,000 copies is pretty darn good. You know? I feel really bad for underestimating him because I, I do support him a lot. And I don't know if he's ever going to listen to this, but like, why did I say six? Take the time to apologize to him now, Farah. You have the floor. <laughs> I'm sorry, Drake. Um, Please forgive me. And I'm really glad that you sold 6,000 copies. That's quite a feat. Quite a feat. Quite a feat indeed. His second mixtape was released as he developed his October's very own or just OVO label. But it was really his third mixtape called So Far Gone that made waves. It housed the singles Best I Ever Had and (laughs) Successful. And made him one of the most sought after unsigned artists in the game until he made a deal with Lil Wayne and his label Young Money in 2009. Yeah, I remember those days. I remember that those songs too. Those were oh, handled. best I ever had. That's a huge yeah. one. Sweatpants, hair tied, chilling with no makeup on. <laughs> That's when you're the prettiest. That that always resonated with me in high school when you're like full of insecurities and you're like, oh my god, like he just like loves me. <laughs> also, me. also really relevant in quarantine times when I right? also wear sweatpants and have no makeup on and wear my hair up pretty much every day. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> 
but but Drake's a different man now. I mean, we can probably talk about that more in the pod with his music and this album, but he he's a very different guy now. <laughs> yes, he has evolved. He has definitely evolved. Um, and the evolution began with his first full-length album called Thank Me Later, released in 2010, featured the singles Over, Find Your Love, Miss Me, and Fancy. Yay. Yay. <laughs> it became the top-selling album of the year, and the song Over was nominated for Best Solo Rap Performance at the 53rd Annual Grammy Awards. So great start. Out the gate. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he quickly reached superstar status from there, collaborating with hip-hop moguls like Beyonce, Jay-Z, Kanye West, Eminem, Lil Wayne, Nicki Minaj, Rihanna. The list goes on and on and on. And he has since developed a reputation for his smooth and quote-unquote sensitive rap style and mm. for bringing the Canadian hip-hop scene to the forefront. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you know... When I was watching Narwar interviews, and for those not on listening to the pod who don't know who Narwar is, he is a Canadian from Vancouver, interviewer for music. He's kind of weird. Look him up. Drake says that he appreciated Biggie's style of rap because Biggie introduced the sensitive lyrical style of rap. So, you know, if you really think about it, I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, both the East Coast rappers, except I think Drake's a little bit more sensitive. Just a little. <laughs> a little bit more. But I mean, I, I live for it. Like, I love it. Um, some people obviously hate on it and whatever. They say all these things. But I personally resonate with that. And I think a lot of people in Toronto do, too. So, yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. You're not, you're not alone, Farah. He has fans all over the world. This is the, people have, they love his sound. They love yep. his sound and he's done a great job at cultivating it. The album that we're talking about today, Views, is Drake's fourth studio album, which came out in 2016 and boasted five singles, Hotline Bling, One Dance featuring Wizkid and Kyla, Pop Style, Controla, and Too Good featuring Rihanna. The album and its singles illustrated Drake's shift into Jamaican dancehall music with elements of R&B and pop and showcases his love for the six on the album's cover where he perches atop our city's greatest landmark, the CN Tower. (laughs) (laughs) Our city's greatest landmark. This is the part of the, for the listeners. This is the the, one of the few parts of the pod that is scripted. And uh, I'm very, I, I, (laughs) I was proud of that sentence. I think it's our city's greatest landmark. What is, is it like the aquarium? I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, it's just funny. because So if you think about like really big cities, like you have the Empire State Building in New York or you have Golden Gate Bridge. Some, yeah, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. And then for us, it's the CN Tower. And you're like, all right. The Canadian a- National Tower. A Canadian treasure. Yeah, and... <laughs> I don't know, like maybe it's just not a fair comparison because Canada is obviously a, a way smaller country and Toronto's the biggest city population wise in, in Canada. Like the CN Tower is pretty cool. I mean, you just go up and you can see Toronto. Yeah. And it used to be a, a nightclub. I, I've heard that rumor. The, and like obviously the now there are the CN restaurants. Tower was a nightclub? Yeah. Can you imagine riding up and down that elevator being blasted, like completely shit face? Like oh my God. I die. Yeah. Same. <laughs> no, thank yeah. you. Which is probably why it's not a thing anymore. But yeah, if you think about the CN Tower being like our national treasure, it's not like anything that cool. It used to be the tallest building in the world. Like, all right. It's very similar to like a space needle. The space needle yeah. in Seattle. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, it's like take the space needle and then put a little little Drake on top. Put a little mini Drake <laughs> on top and that's the CN Tower. <laughs> it, I do appreciate his sense of humor though. Like that was pretty jokes. And of course it's an homage to the city that he's from, so... Exactly. Exactly. I love it. I think the album was great. And it also just got a lot of people to recognize Toronto as like, we're a city with big dreams. You know, our tower might not be that cool, but like we out here, (laughs) we out here, we out here thriving. Yeah. Like (laughs) 
<laughs> typical Drake fashion to always typical Drake make fashion. it. All he cares about is money and the city that he's from. Like, what can I say? <laughs> hey, and it, and it works for him. I mean, Views debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart, and it remained there for 13 consecutive weeks. It went six times platinum, selling over 7 million copies globally, and it snagged two Grammy nominations. And Drake himself has branched out beyond music. He's built an OVO empire. He came on board as the global ambassador for the reigning NBA champions, the Toronto Raptors. He's done collaborations with Nike, Virginia Black Whiskey, and apparently, this is a fun fact, Apparently, he's responsible for $440 million out of Toronto's $8.8 billion a year tourism income. Really? Yeah. He's wow. he's put Toronto on the map that much that like nearly half a billion dollars is just because Drake sings about the six in his song. <laughs> I appreciate you, Drake. <laughs> we all appreciate you, Drizzy. Yeah. I mean, like, it's crazy, the Drake effect, because he, like, would set, well, he's very Canadian-based. I don't know if he has OVO stores in the States, but he has stores in Vancouver that opened up, OVO stores. There were lineups. And when he was opening up his new, his later location, I should say, it's not that new, in Yorkdale Mall, like, there were lineups, like, all the way around the corridor. Like, it was nuts. Like, people love him, and I think they love him because he also always gives the six a shout out. I feel like yeah. other artists, well, maybe the artists under his label, but other artists that aren't under his label that are from, you know, Ontario, don't really, they don't really do that. Like Shania Twain doesn't live in Canada anymore. And I mean, Avril Lavigne has never really given a shout out to <laughs> Ontario either. So here we are. You mean Avril Lavigne uh, wasn't writing about Napanee, Ontario in her songs? How strange. <laughs> Napanee. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. They they were from smaller towns. I and so yeah, they don't have a CN Tower, Farah. Come on, Justin Bieber doesn't have the CN Tower. But yeah, I digress. Uh, Drake is very proud of his city. He definitely is, and and we're proud of Drake. We're happy to have Mm. you. Happy to have you, Drizzy. So Farah, the drink that we are drinking on the pod today. It's been a while since we uh, we've done a cocktail, but we're back to the cocktails, and uh, we're drinking what's called a back nine, and we're paying tribute to uh, the second track on the record, which is called nine <laughs> yes. and the reference is uh when drake sings i turn the six upside down it's a nine now and i also was like what is kiara gonna do like is she gonna say like let's have a caesar because he's canadian and caesars are canadian so i think this is a way better choice and it tastes pretty good i it's like it a bad, lot right mm-hmm. it's definitely not bad so if you do want to make a back nine cocktail at home for yourself uh you need a few ingredients you're gonna need some iced tea lemon juice simple syrup and bourbon and of course a cocktail shaker you're gonna add three ounces of the iced tea one ounce of lemon juice one and a half ounces of the bourbon and just a dash of simple syrup, a little bit of sweetness. Combine it all in a shaker and serve it over ice. You can garnish with lemon as Farah has done this evening, or you can garnish with a maraschino cherry like I have done this evening. It's, you know, it's lady's choice. Lady's choice, indeed. Suitable for Drake. (laughs) Ladies, lady's choice. Ladies' choice. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay, Farah. So, Drizzy Drake, Six God. You're a fan. I know you're a fan. How did you start listening to Drake? And then what does your relationship look like with uh, the Views album? So I don't know how I discovered Drake. I'm honestly not sure. But all I know is that I have always loved R&B music, as you know. And I've always loved rap music. But I remember when I was in high school, I was discovering rap. And, you know, there's gangster rap. There's all these different types of rap. And some of it was a little bit too heavy for me. And I also attribute it to being younger and not having a refined taste in music. Like, you could think about rap music and you can say, yeah, I love Temperature from Sean Paul. And you're like, Sarah, <laughs> that is not true rap. Well, it is, but I mean, it's not. But the song not... slaps. Like, call us beta spade. <laughs> 
call it yeah we'll call it spade a spade i mean the song slaps but if you think about like the origins of hip-hop and you know who some of the key players were back in the day like obviously people who listen to rap music and love it we're going to be like are you for real no <laughs> and, and anyways as i discovered Drake, he had a very different sound, as you kind of touched on. That was a little bit softer, a little bit more lyrical. And I really dug it. And I think part of it was because he was definitely talking about a lot of problems and issues that young adolescent people have when they are forming relationships. Um, and we'll talk about that in this album with, you know, some of the songs that he has sang and sung, sang, sung, sang, whatever, and rapped. You know, he, he was also just really cute. So yeah. I I dug it. I thought he was cute from the beginning. Um, I shared a photo with you of a poster of the old Drake. I like to say in my room that was the before, old Drake. <laughs> yeah, before he like beefed up and like went through this metamorphosis of like being like I'm Drake. You know? Do you remember when the photo when he posted that photo after working out and everyone yeah. was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> like when did this happen?" <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. And I was like, oh my God, what have they done to him? Like, I, I guess I, I really like the dorky side of Drake because I thought that was super relatable. And like, you know, he just like didn't take himself too seriously. And I think when I saw that photo, I was like, oh, he's taking himself too seriously now. Like, uh, he feels like he has to prove something. But I've always been a huge fan. This album came out at a very opportune time as well when I was moving to Toronto after university so it meant a lot to me because summer 16 was absolutely lit and even the October October yeah October yeah. after after the album came out so October 2016 I went to his concert and I had the most amazing time in Toronto you saw him yeah, it was unreal at, well, the ACC that is now Scotiabank Arena. Dang, that must have been an amazing show. It was so good. And everyone was on their feet all night. It was just like a giant Toronto house party. And it made me feel like I was a part of something because I had a really tough time transitioning living in Toronto because I I have family here, but they're all extended. My immediate family is in Vancouver. So, you know, when you feel like you can relate to something and you understand something um, in the city that you're now living in, it's a, it's a good feeling. Very welcoming, I imagine. Yeah. In yeah. a way. Yeah. And of course, like I went nuts because I was like, oh my God, it's him in flesh and blood. Like <laughs> the only thing that could kind of trump that was if I actually like touched him or like felt a tear of sweat, like drip on me. But I was in the 300s because I was broke AF, but I had an amazing time and I went with a good friend who I used to work with. So yeah, it, it was a good time all around. Safe to say, big fan of Drizzy big Drake. Big fan. And somehow this has become my identifier with my friends. So yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> well, it's been a long time coming. We've been talking about you doing this album. Well, you doing a Drake album. And then yeah. we ended up settling on views because I know it's one that means a lot to you. And that's it's been a long time in the work. So I'm just happy to have you here for episode 38 to talk about this yeah. album. One of your favorite artists that honestly like just makes me so happy when we do these kinds of pod episodes. So thank you for coming back. Farrah. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Let's get it. <laughs> Um, so my relationship with Drake, I think looks a little bit different. He's not one of my favorite artists. I definitely yeah. like him, definitely appreciate him. And I appreciate everything that he's done for Toronto. And similar to you, I can't remember like my earliest memories of Drake. I remember right. watching a lot of much music. And then when Degrassi was on and when his first few singles were coming out, he was on much music a lot because right. like, they were like, who is this Canadian, um, Canadian artist, yeah. artist soon to be 
icon who's like doing very well and gaining a lot of traction. Like let's get him as much airtime as possible. So I remember watching him be on like much on demand or they would do like live in Toronto shows. He'd be on the much music video awards, which like now it's like mostly for like low key celebrities to go to the award show. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's kind of how I started to get to know the name, but it wasn't until like his collab started coming up that mm-hmm. I really started to take notice of him. So when he did like forever with Eminem and mm-hmm. Kanye and Lil Wayne, and then he did a collab with Nikki, like moment for life, which I texted you about the other day because yes. I was, fucking love that song. <laughs> um, and pretty much anything he does with Rihanna, I'm like, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm ready for it. And then I think the turning point for me when I actually started to notice him more, which was really strange, but I have a very like quite a rather fondness, I guess you would say for the song Bedrock by Young Money featuring Lloyd. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I've been stuck to you like glue, like with Lloyd. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't really like any of those rappers except for Drake. Like I'm like Gutta's in there, Tyga's in there. I love Nikki. Let's be real. I love Nikki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that song. Right? It was so good. I was watching the video the other day when I was prepping and I was like, man, this song just fucking goes so hard. But um, that was when I first really started to take notice. And then uh, I just... I felt like I, I, again, I was witnessing the evolution of Drake. Cause even if you listen yeah. to his older stuff, you know, if you listen to forever or um, I get paper or whatever, like, I feel like because he was signed to young money, he almost tried to sound like Lil Wayne. Like he was almost like rapping at a higher register and like kind of had that like weird, I don't know how to do a Lil Wayne voice. Yeah. Like a twang almost. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's also like just being influenced by Houston too. Right. Cause his dad was living there sure. and that was where he was also doing some recording and meeting a lot of rappers. Lil Wayne's from there too. But then he very, like very smooth transition into like who he's become now, you know, like he sounds totally different. I feel like then in over or in forever, whatever song. Yeah. Or, or even in the same album. Cause I think I'm kind of seeing what you're referencing here too. Like, in Heifer or whatever, he does sound a little bit more nasal, but then you go to Marvin's room and he doesn't sound as nasal. Like he has that, that I think is like the real Drake, you know, it's like soft, but like hitting you hard with the feel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And this album in particular, it wasn't one that I was like waiting for. I wasn't, you know, like anxiously being like, Drizzy's going to drop a new album 2016. But yeah. when it hit and hotline bling hit, and the video came out. Oh my God. I, I just, that, I remember that so vividly. Like it was like the next day, like Buzzfeed, Tumblr, Facebook, every, everyone was posting about this video, the memes, yeah. like him playing tennis and like just like, <laughs> everything yeah. to do with the video. Like that song exploded and I, I got sucked into it a thousand percent. Yeah. And especially cause that was in our final year of university, like yes. the clubs are playing it and it like, it's so memorable, right? Like everyone's yelling, like, I don't win the hotline bling and it's so relatable because you're like yes that's the hookup when the hotline <laughs> used to bling and now it doesn't and here we are we're all jaded ah, in the club basically <laughs> yeah we're all yeah. jaded in the club we're yeah. all jaded in the club <laughs> fuck <laughs> what are some of the memorable songs you want to talk about where do you want to start the conversation today let's let's talk about i don't have a lot of notes on this one but i do want to talk about one dance oh let's talk about one dance that was a huge single it was a huge single and it was a lot of fun um, I think that, so, so there are a lot of influences here and I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to get this right. There are a lot of like dance hall, like African music vibes. And he even features Wizkid, who was a Nigerian rapper. And embarrassingly enough, I, I didn't know this until I was doing this research, but when he goes into the first verse and he goes, O-T-O-T. Yeah. 
well, OT can mean no, but OT means liquor from what I remember reading. Yes. And I was like, I did. I thought he was talking about overtime, but he does that a lot where he has this double entendre in his words. You know, it's just one of those things that Drake does. Like he brings in those like other influences from other like black cultures and puts that into his music. So I think it was on top of being a banger also really well done. <laughs> I totally agree. I, the OTOT fun fact, I think I saw that on genius and I agree. I think yeah. that's so cool. Cause it's such a very, it's a subtle difference in like the, the spelling, I think that yeah. separates the two, like between no and, and liquor. And then, yeah, you add on the English, which I think was just like a very smart, it was a very smart lyric in my mind. I totally agree. For me, my favorite lyric is when he says, soon as you see the text, reply me, I don't want to spend time fighting. <laughs> and the reason being, it's kind of a funny reason, but I would actually use that on my friends in university. Mm-hmm. When this album came out and if I like shot my roommate a text and I didn't hear from her, I would be like, soon as you see the text, reply me. I don't want to spend time fighting. Like it was just, <laughs> it just became like one of the things that I did. And I'd be like, remember like the wise words of Drake, like soon as you see the text, reply me. So <laughs> the wise words of our six God, have you heard of our, what is, what's the word that they say? Like, um, have you, you have like five minutes to talk about our Lord and savior? Drake? Yeah. Our Lord yeah. and savior, six God Drake. Yeah. That We're was terrible. basically me in fourth year of university because I was a huge fucking uh, dork. But um, <laughs> no, you were not. That's a good one. I would have done the same thing. We should just start doing it now. Let's pick it back up five years later. Why not? I do really like this song too. Uh, it's composed in a very like, again, dance hall way. It's super catchy. It's super fun. I was, when, when I was prepping and I was listening to it, I was like, oh man, like one dance was everywhere. Like it was everywhere in 2016. You could not escape it. So I was worried I was going to be sick of it, but then it came on and I was like, ooh, Oh yeah. I like this one. I forgot how much I like this one, you know? Yeah. It's an infectious. Well, I could have chosen a better word. It's a really good song. I feel like <laughs> you think because of COVID you didn't want to the air that we're in right now. I was like, I don't want to use the word infectious. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. And like, even as you were talking about sending the text about your friends getting home or whatever, I'm like, well, I haven't been to a club in a while, but <laughs> yeah, I, this, this song was just a good banger. And it's like, you don't even need to know how to dance like you just start bopping up and down it it just kind of takes you away yeah it's just a feel-good song I 100% agree uh great way to start us off Farah so I I I love that one so thank you for doing that you're welcome okay what's your favorite or you know going back to you with a song that stood out so I'm gonna be super basic it's gonna make me sound super basic okay that's okay we're but, already talking about Drake. So yeah, <laughs> it's basic enough <laughs> as it is. But because again, going back to like my origin story of me learning who Drake was, I got to go right. back to the the collabs and I was rooting for him and Rihanna so hard. <gasps> Same. So hard. I was like, these so two hard. can make it work. He's in love with her. He's going to treat her yeah. right. And it just didn't happen. So too good is the song that I want to start oh, with today. I, yeah, I do love the song. I didn't want to kick it off with this one because I saw it on my list and I was like, no. <laughs> but yes, it's it's a banger. So what did you like about this song? I really like it because going going back to what you said, it's very relatable. It has a relatable theme. It's about yeah. being infatuated with someone, being in love with somebody who's not who's not good for you or you're too good for them. Like, you know, mm-hmm. in 2020, 2021, we've all had a bit of a rough go this last year and uh, self-care and self-love has become so important. And I feel like this song was ahead of its time in that sense. Like in the chorus, he says, I'm too good to you. I'm way too good to you. You take my love for granted. I just don't understand it. Like know your worth people. Like don't, don't settle for people who aren't going to treat you right. And 
And I feel like to bring in somebody like Rihanna, who low key is like my queen. I live for Rihanna. I live for everything she's been doing with like the Fenty line, with the Savage lingerie line, body yep. image. She's just like, yeah, amazing, successful. She's a smart mogul. woman. Yeah. She is a mogul and her vibe, you know, with her like Caribbean roots fit yeah. perfectly into this, again, like a dance hall jam. And I think that's why like her and Drake continue to work together. Like they did work and, and too good and take care. It's because they're like the perfect yin to yang. Like they fit so well when they collab. Yeah. The only, my only qualm with this song is that I wanted a video so bad. I wanted a video so bad and we yeah. didn't get one. I was, I was like, but we got one for take care and we got yep. one for work. And then nobody thought this was like one of the biggest singles off the record. Nobody thought to put together a video featuring like two of the most objectively attractive people in the entire world. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. I was pissed. Yeah. So when I was listening to this song, I, I wrote in my notes here, I wonder if Drake and Rihanna were still in a relationship at the time when they sang the song. Cause I was actually doing some research on their tumultuous relationship situationship. And a lot of the lyrics there are kind of relatable to like the situation that they were in. Like, you know, Drake is singing about, you know, being too good for someone. And in, in past interviews, he he did talk about feeling used by Rihanna because they were in a relationship, but then she wasn't really defining it publicly as a relationship. And then there was all of this back and forth. Of course, there's there's things that I will never understand about that relationship. The famous line that I love here is, I got high as the expectations, which is yes. just like speaking to hip hop culture, getting high and, you know, weed and, and getting high because you have high expectations for this relationship. Yeah. And I was like, maybe they just didn't do a, a video because they it would have been too messy like they had done other videos before there were speculations on other videos that they had done together like in work um yeah. where there was like some sexual tension and even some performances and to me I was like they're professionals like I don't really think there's anything to it but who knows like maybe there was yeah um but but that's why I kind of yeah I, I kind of like suspected I was like because Rihanna has done this before. She has recorded a song with Chris Brown. Um, oh, I, can't do I, I do. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it while they were together, though? Or was it yeah. post the breakup and uh, very traumatic situation? I think it was when they were still together and working it out. Ain't Nobody's Business. That's the name of the song. And they recorded something together, I guess, to help their relationship. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what if this was almost like the same thing? Like they just got in the studio and they, you know, put something together. I could totally be starting new rumors again. <laughs> but my if listening to this podcast, there. please jump in and uh, correct us. <laughs> If you're listening to this, it's too late. Um, but I, Bravo, I A plus. A plus thank you. There. Thank you. But I thought that's what I thought it was. I was like, maybe they're just talking about their relationship and trying to work it out um, because it, it looks like they, you know, had something and they had high expectations for it and it just didn't work out. Did you hear how like when they met, it was because Rihanna was doing the video in Toronto for Ponder Replay? Yeah. She was like 16 or some shit. Yes. I was like, oh my God, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard. But also like if, you know, if they're not treating each other right, if they're not good for each other, then like they need to go their separate ways. But I was, I was very much holding up, holding out hope that um, Drake and Riri would find a way to work things out. I was hoping for it too. Cause I just thought that Drake was a nicer guy than Chris Brown. I agree. <laughs> Immediately agree. Like there's a very low bar that has been set. So really anyone's a big step up, uh, step up there. But I, I, I was pulling for them, but hey. Yeah, I think we all were. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Womp womp. Womp womp. But yeah, so I do, I do really love this song. What's another one that's on your mind? 
if we want to go down the basic path, let's talk about hotline bling for a second here. Let's please. We have to. We have to talk about hotline bling. Please tell me, tell me your thoughts on hotline bling. So I love this song because there's so many really good one-liners. Yes. I mean, you used to call me on my cell phone. He hits it off. He, you know, he hit it out of the park with this one because now like, you know, let's say your friend doesn't respond to your message or whatever. And you're like, oh, you used to call me on your cell phone or whatever. Yeah. On top of that, this freaking video, (laughs) what is he doing? You know, so it's very Drake. And he knows like at this point he had his Take Care album come out and people were like, oh, this guy's soft. Like, why is he wearing sweaters? You know, why is he wearing sweaters? Yeah. And and then he comes out and he is dancing. Okay. And he is, he's got this like gray sweater on. He's feeling himself. He's dancing. He's confident. And I honestly thought that was really attractive. Like people were like, oh, he's a terrible dancer. But I was like, I love when a guy will go out and dance and be confident in himself, even if he, you know, knows he's not the best dancer in the room. It's kind of like the whole Fresh Prince thing where Will Smith says he can't dance, but I actually think it's really attractive when he tries to dance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Even, um, oh my gosh, I have this thing here. I love the bridge where he's rhyming and talking about all the worst things. (gasps) Yeah, that's my favorite part too. Yeah, he just has this way of like spitting rhymes and going through the song and just making it sound so cohesive and good that it just kind of rolls off in such a smooth way. And and that was also something that I really appreciate about the song. Besides the mixing and like all of these, you know. The beat. The beat. The infamous beat. The infamous beat. I totally agree. I I do. I want to stay on the bridge for a moment because that truly is my favorite part of the song. Like I almost wait for that where he goes yeah. into like the these days. All I do is wonder if you're bending over backwards. backwards. Yeah. Someone else. Yeah. I love that part. And I think it's also, again, the, the theme is fairly universal. I think we've all been there when we've been in a relationship or some sort of, again, infatuation with a person in our life who only calls us up when there's one thing on their mind. Yeah. Um, but also in the aftermath of that, like apparently this song is about his, his ex, Nebby. Her name is yep. Nebby. Yeah. Yep, and yep. like, she's, I don't follow her on Instagram, but from what I've heard through my research, she's been very um, notorious for posting a lot of her photos of her on vacation, yep. of her out doing fun things. And like, when you break up with somebody or you're no longer in whatever kind of relationship you're in, you are going to stalk them. You're going to see what they're up to. And you're going to be like, oh, I fucking hate them. They're doing all these cool things. And he says that in the song. He's like, you're, you're started wearing less and going out more glasses of champagne on the dance floor. Yeah. Another great one-liner. Great oh. one-liner. <laughs> so I like, again, how in me, like me listening to this rap can sometimes be very, uh, masculine and it can be very like male view focused. But as a woman, I heard this song and I was like, Oh, but I get what he, I get what he means, even though it's from a male point of view. That's why I like this song. Uh, I will say my dad, uh, hates, he hates this song. There's a very famous, (laughs) there's a famous (laughs) Snapchat that's, uh, that's made its way through my, my family when the song first came out. Right. And I was like at home with my parents and I was filming something on Snapchat. Um, yeah. And in the, ba- like the song is playing. And in the background, you just hear my dad, Sandy. Hi, Sandy. You just hear my dad <laughs> go, oh, I hate this song. And oh the Snapchat God. ends. <laughs> and it's like, I have it saved. We like play it. We bust it out every once in a while, but it's like That's an a ongoing vine. joke. <laughs> that is a good vibe. <laughs> so I love the song, but uh, but my dad has something different to say about it. It's interesting that you talk about the female perspective on this because if you really think about it when he's going like bending over backwards for someone else doing get, getting nasty for someone else doing yeah. the things I taught you it's always like who says that this man is going to be the expert of all things in the bedroom first of all but yeah at the time when this came out 
even when he was saying things like started wearing less and going out more, I think a lot of people in general, even myself as a woman was like, I am claiming that I <laughs> started going, sorry, sorry, started wearing less and going out more. Like that was my entire summer 16. Like you're, you're fresh, hot off a breakup. You're like, I am wearing less and hot going out summer. more. It was the hot girl <laughs> summer. Exactly. So like, you know, you're going out, you are posting, like you're still in that headspace, that phase where you're like, I want to share everything. Look at me. I'm so hot. And and I think that was kind of empowering for a lot of women. Yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> we're like, oh, he noticed. He noticed that that's what we were doing. Yeah, it, he plays a lot into like the petty games, the the waste man. Um, I like to call it waste man mentality of like, oh, stalking your exes and be like, why are you doing all these things? Why are you going out and touching road and like doing all these things? Yeah, and just like, well, because I can. Like, screw you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Huge, huge song. Fun fact, this uh, this video has 1.7 billion views on YouTube. Oh my god! I had to make note of that because I was like, man, that's that's a lot of views. I don't know if it's quite as many as like, I don't know, Gangnam Style, but it's a lot. I think Baby Shark now has more than, than Baby Gangnam Baby Shark. Style. That's a remix that I'd pay to download. <laughs> Drake, Drake remix of Baby Shark. <laughs> Can you it's imagine? just like, girl, solo through the ocean, my Baby Shark. <laughs> My baby in the depths of my love, the depths of the ocean. That would be a good SNL skit. It would. I should just write for them. I'm going to quit you my should. job and just write for Saturday yeah. Night Live. <laughs> um, I'm going to continue down this, this, what we're calling the basic route because man, the singles, like the hits off this record were so huge. So yes, I'm going to go back to the singles people because I want to talk about Controla because I love Controla. I love that song too. I, I love, you know, the Caribbean type vibe here that he's got going on. It's a great song. So what did you like about this song, Kiara? So what I like is I can't, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you. I just feel like it has, <laughs> it has a je ne sais quoi vibe where I hear it and I hear that like, you like it when I get aggressive, aggressive. you know, and, and like, I, I don't know what it is. It's very smooth. It's, it's like easy listening R&B in a way for me, it really defines the record. Like Drake going into this, like, again, Jamaican dance hall evolution on this mm -hmm. record. This is like the, the, the peak of it, I think, uh, on, on the actual album. And it incorporates, um, a sample of Beanie Man's tear off me garment, which is like a, he's a, a reggae artist. So mm -hmm. I do like that it, it was Drake, but it was also incorporating, uh, a huge piece of, like you said, black culture, uh, yeah. which I really appreciated. So I, I do just, I straight up love control. <laughs> yeah. The Caribbean culture is strong with this one. And yes. it, it's, it's just such an interesting song. Cause Controla is not, I say that and I sound so like, I don't know, academic. <laughs> yes, Controla. I like that he has that nod to Caribbean music and Jamaican culture even, and even some of the patois in there. And, and that was what I found really difficult about researching this album. So I won't even try to touch on all of those things because like I, I didn't grow up around that. But when I talk to other people from Toronto, you know, you, you talk to people that are kind of in that scene and, and they grew up with this stuff, like they understand it, like they get it. And yeah. um, it's a really important cultural thing for them and it's really important to see that kind of representation there too to be like yeah like this is what we're about drake even talks about it too like he loved cardinal official and obviously cardinal official oh, has God. a lot of nods to to that type of music yes um but cardinal official obviously didn't get as big as as drake so i think that it's a really great opportunity that he is 
capitalizing off of capitalizing sounds like a dirty word but anyway he's he's showing the world what toronto has to offer you know what this like caribbean west indies jamaican all of these the mishmash the, all of it that culture has to offer and how yeah. great the music is because this is what people grew up with in toronto 100 percent. yeah i actually i totally forgot about cardinal official i'm so glad you brought him up i used to watch his videos on much music all the time he had a great song with uh estelle i think did he I think it's called, I think it's called freak. And it's like, I can be a freak every day of every every week. week. Yeah. And I think he has a feature on that. And I I remember seeing it on So Do You Can Dance. And I was like, oh, Cardinal Official, like Canadian representation on So Do You Can Dance, which I thought was so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. It's a big, it's a big tune. Like it it makes sense they chose this for a single. And I do, I agree with you where it's like, he, he may, he did definitely capitalize it in every sense uh, of the word. He capitalized on this sound, but he also, uh, it was about exposure. Yeah. exposure into Toronto life, into Black culture. And I thought that was great. Yeah, I did want to caveat that by saying that there was a lot of um, hate around it too, because I don't know this for sure, but I think there were a lot of people saying that he didn't really, he, he doesn't really speak Patois, Patois or, yeah. or any of these languages. And, you know, it could kind of be seen as appropriation. It, it's it's tough. Like, I, I don't want to put an opinion on this because I, I didn't grow up with this. And to some people, obviously, this is very, very meaningful. Um, but there's been, you know, some articles that have come out about him. And it's like, where did this accent come from? Because you yeah. talk like that. It is very true. Very, very different sound from the Drake that we knew previous. Yeah, but yeah. I think that there is definitely a genuine sense. And because like, if you listen to a lot of his interviews and stuff, like he knows a lot about the origins and how this music came about and like why it's important. And so I think that it was just a nod to like the Toronto culture of of loving this type of music and like Carabana and all of it. hundred percent, but a very good point to make. So thank you for, for including that. No prob. Um, you're up next girl. Feel no ways. So many. Feel no ways. Okay. I should be downtown ripping on my way to you. I used to love that. So when <laughs> he had so many great openings to songs. Yes. And that line literally makes me think of driving at night on the DVP being like, I should be downtown whipping on my way to you. You know, your hookup's going downtown <laughs> with you. That and hotline like I, bling. That's an interesting one. I uh, I did learn in my research that this was produced in part by Kanye. So I read that okay. before I actually heard the song. It's not one that I know very well. And I was just like, oh, okay. Like I, you know, I, I love, Kanye is one of my favorite rappers. I mean, his mm-hmm. personality and the way he acts is something totally separate. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I heard the song and I was like, okay, like, yeah, I can, I can kind of hear it. It's a song about essentially like leaving someone behind who's bringing you down, right? In the chorus, yeah. he says, I tried with you. There's more to life than sleeping in and getting high with you. I had to let go of us to show myself what I could do. And that just didn't stay right with you. And so I like the messaging of the song for sure. Also was very pleased to learn that Chance the Rapper did a version of it. Oh, I didn't know that. Which is like amazing, very emotion, like a little more raw, wow. just very classic, you know, classic chance. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I like seeing that more vulnerable side of rappers. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, say what you want to say about Kanye, but he has been able to get vulnerable in 
pretty much all of his records. It's just maybe the way he communicates it is different yeah. from somebody like Drake. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I like this song too. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites on the record, but uh, it was one that uh, caught my attention for sure. Yeah, it caught my attention because as you said, like he talks a lot about trying to feel no ways. You're getting through a breakup, right? And I think this person is also talking about, like they're justifying a breakup as well. Like there's more to life just leaving in than getting high with you. Because I think, you know, they're trying to be successful. They're trying to grind and that person's just not understanding that. I, I'm surprised, but also not surprised to hear that Kanye produced it. Because when you were talking about how Kanye has a very different style, like, yes, but this song's also very melodic. Like he sings for the mm-hmm. entire song. I mean, he has a great voice. I, I'm one of the few that actually do like Drake singing more than his actual I do too. rap. I'm with you. I do too. Uh, yeah. I, I get embarrassed because people are like soft because a lot of people who love Drake love his, his rap in itself. But right. I also really relate it to losing dead weight in a relationship. I think that was something that's, it's very empowering. Um, and it's very sad, but, you know, feel no ways. Like, that is something that people say, right? Like, I'm trying to feel no ways about it. Like, or, or even turning the tables, how this person feel no ways about me, that type of thing. It, it, it right. speaks a lot to a relatable and shitty experience. 100%. I love that. I love the way that you put that. I, I, I can't say I've ever used the phrase feel no ways, but maybe I'll start. <laughs> 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 maybe I'll adopt it. Who knows? But I, I, I 100% see what you mean. I totally agree. Uh, my turn again. Based on that conversation and, you know, uh, going back to this idea of the grind and res- or maybe not having someone respect your grind, mm-hmm. I will say Drake respects the grind in Faithful. Oh, I love this song I so much. I love this song so much. Um, I do have a little bit of a snippet from Genius where they yeah. describe the song by saying it uh, mirrors the sensitive and emotional vibe of his 2011 album, Take Care. Drake mm-hmm. explains his fondness for a girl. However, she's too busy working to engage in a relationship. So Drake must remain patient and faithful while she pursues her independence. And I was like, we need more songs about this. Yes. We yes. need more songs about guys being patient and faithful for the working women out there, like mad respect for all the girls who are hustling right now, who are mo- like working on their careers, who are moving on up and we got to have somebody to support us through that. Yeah, I I agree. And that's also why I really like the song too. But I guess when I was listening to it, you know, it's coming from Drake and Drake writes, well, we'll talk about Meek Mill and Drake, but Drake <laughs> writes all of his music. <laughs> He does. Um, And, you know, I I think that this was coming from his experiences, right? So, yeah, from from a female or, you know, other person's perspective, um, he's just like, he's just sitting there. He's like, shit, like this person's successful. And I I personally also think that this song is about Rihanna because if you look at her. Yeah, she's so successful and she's getting out there. She's got, you know, Fenty skin, Fenty makeup. She's got her Savage by Fenty lingerie. Like, and and she hasn't been making music because she's been working on all of these other things and diversifying, which is fantastic. Yes. Um, But I am sure that in 2016 and even a little bit beforehand, Rihanna was working, work, 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 work. And he was all like girl, where are you at? <laughs> She's like, I'm busy. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm busy. <laughs> but I do think like there needs to be more songs. Like again, yes, he complains maybe a little bit, but he even says like, I want, I want to watch you do work while I sit back. Mm-hmm. So he's almost like appreciative of the girl working hard and like doing her thing and like, you know, making her money. And yeah. uh, short of like 
Miss Independent by Neo. There's not a lot of like R&B songs written by a man from the perspective of a man that mm-hmm. kind of carry the same message. So I appreciated the song a lot on the record. Yeah. That was a nice palate cleanser. Yeah, do work while I sit back. That's a good one too, because he does have a lot of like plays on words and uh, he alludes to a lo- obviously a lot of sexual things. Um, <laughs> no. But, <laughs> no, really? But I, I really liked it because if you think about it, if a guy says that to you in the context of the full song, especially when Division sings, won't you outsmart me, told you that your brain works better than mine, there's a sense of appreciation. And I think yeah. that that should be taken holistically. And that's what's hot about it, right? Like you've got a guy that knows how powerful and smart you are and you're, you've got a light that shines so bright. Of course he wants to watch you work while he yeah. sits back because you're freaking fantastic and you're sexy and you're owning it. And he has that appreciation. That's what I like about Drake. Yes. He knows a powerful woman and he's not afraid to to try to get it. Yes. But yeah, I, I feel like the 2021 remix of this song would be like, girl, I want to watch you work, but also I'm on a call. Can you like keep it down because you're also on a call? <laughs> Do we have to go into separate rooms? Oh my God, our bandwidth is not enough for this. Yeah, yeah, literally. Farrah, we've got time for like one more track. What's uh, what's the last one you want to talk about? Oh, obviously Child's Play. <laughs> Child's Play. Not going to lie. I have one note on Child's Play, but I want to hear, I want to hear your <laughs> analysis first. First of all, if you listen to a lot of Drake's songs, um, he does talk a lot about, you know, some of the pettiness that comes out of fighting and wanting someone, but also just how communication just doesn't come out right. And the first ish line in the song after he goes bounce that shit like whoa is why you gotta fight with me, cheesecake. <laughs> and in typical Drake fashion, okay, so he has this album that comes out and he's sitting on the top of the CN Tower, which already looks kind of comical. Then he starts off this song with, why you got to fight with me at Cheesecake? You know I love to go there. <laughs> um, Sam acting light skin. I can't take you nowhere. And then he goes in. This is what I really, really like. This is a place for families that drive Camrys and go to Disney. <laughs> and and he paints this this picture, right? He, he's telling a story. And I think a lot of rappers don't do that as much anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but this song stands out to me because, you know, he's talking about a fight. The girl is, you know, getting into fights and trying to steal his car to get tampons and all that shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> also kind of like a petty thing to bring up in an argument, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it, it was one of those things where it's like, he knows that he's this international pop star. He knows that these women are using him for money because he even says it. I get Chanel at like a hug. I know this is not a fairy tale. And he goes, you know, buy you a new outfit, blah, blah, blah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. all of these like sugar daddy alluding things. And I'm like, Drake, <laughs> you're better than this. But it's just a funny song because it's like, I could see you being in this situation yes. because, you know, for whatever reason, like you just want to waste time with somebody. I don't know. I hate objectifying women like that, but I'm just trying to get into that. <laughs> the mindset of the rapper here. The mindset, yeah. Um, you know, naturally that happens. And then of course, you know, these girls are clearly using Drake for his money and, and then they get into fights because he knows it. And I think he's just a soft guy that wants to be loved. Yeah. And he just wants to go to Cheesecake Factory and like not raise his voice. He just wants to have a nice Sunday evening like at the Cheesecake Factory. All right, folks, we have reached the critical point in the podcast. Farah, at this time, we've talked about uh, quite a few of the songs off the Views record. Yeah. So can you tell the listeners uh, your final closing thoughts on this record and then how you would rate it out of five back nine cocktails? So closing thoughts, 
Kiki. <laughs> I feel like I didn't say me? that. Do you love I was yeah. waiting. I was like, it I took know. you, it took you like the whole episode to make the joke. The whole episode. I know. Loser. I make that joke every pod. I know. <laughs> and the one, t- yeah. So Kiki. Okay. So closing thoughts are there are a lot of bangers on this song. And obviously we, we only scratched the surface of Drake and his relationship with Toronto and all of the references in there just because yeah. this is a meaty album. There's like a lot of songs on here. And there are also some songs that are essentially like diss tracks. Like we didn't really talk about the Meek Mill and, and Drake beef there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we kind of touched on the fact that Drake writes all of his own stuff. So if you are interpreting this, uh, you know, and comparing it against maybe some rumors about him and whatnot, I'm sure there's like a little bit of truth there. Sorry to expose you, my man, Drake, but. <laughs> and, I, and I oop. <laughs> yeah, oop. Yeah, I know. And Drake hears this and I'm like banned from every show. But anyway. <laughs> um I I really I really love this album and I think that Drake after Take Care you know people were kind of criticizing him for being kind of sensitive with his music but in this album like I think that he owns it like he has the ability to be a little bit more hard um but he knows that he has kind of coined this new genre of rap sung being a little bit on the softer more R&B side and he doesn't have to always be hard-hitting about it like if you listen to the lyrics and just the layers of meaning behind it and even understanding where he's from and Toronto, like there, there's just so many niche things in there that I really appreciate. And I just think that this, this album's a work of art. Like anything that he does is, is pretty good. Like awesome. In my opinion. How about you, Kiki? Oh, I didn't rate it. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Well, do you want to hear my thoughts first? or do you I do, do want to hear your thoughts first. <laughs> okay. We'll do our ratings. We'll do our ratings together then. We're going to change it okay. up today. Okay. Um, I definitely agree. I think the thing that sticks out to me about this record the most, um, you know, right, right off the bat from the cover art and seeing, yeah. seeing the CN Tower, like we give it a lot of shit, but seeing something that was a big part of my childhood growing up, like coming into the city with my family on the go train and like, mm-hmm. you know, getting your first glimpse of the CN Tower. And it was like this magical thing to like be in, you know, be out of the suburbs, be in the city, like go and see a musical or a concert, whatever it was. Like mm-hmm. Toronto has such a reputation. I feel like it means a lot to a lot of us who grew up um, in the GTA. Clearly means a lot to you now that you you live here, even though you're originally from the West Coast. It is a really wonderful city to be in. Um, I'm very grateful to live in a city like Toronto. I think there's a lot of amazing artists, um, a lot of amazing people that live here. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy that somebody so mainstream has stayed so closely to his roots and yes. promoted, promoted the shit out of it. You know, like people were going to Raptors games just because maybe they'd get a glimpse of Drake there. You know, yeah. like he brought people to these games. And I mean, the, the Raptors are the NBA champs. Obviously they deserve all of that credit, but like yeah. you have to also give credit where credit is due that the brand like <laughs> climbed exponentially when Drake came on as a, as yeah. an ambassador too. Right. So he's done a lot for, I think the city, he hasn't forgotten where he's came from, which I think a lot of rappers, I think are good at that. Rappers will, will speak about where they grew up, you know, like Kanye West and Chance the Rapper come to mind just because we've talked about them on the pod and how much they reference Chicago and uh, yeah. the trouble that they went through growing up in a place like Chicago, but Chi-town. Um, mm-hmm. Chi-town, exactly. But he, he does it in a very fond way. He clearly loves Toronto. He lives here. I mean, he's got a place on the bridal path. It's like millions yeah. of dollars, but he's, he's bought real estate here. Right. So he believes in the city. And uh, that's what, that's, what's always going to be my, favorite thing 
about him as an artist is that he's not trying to forget about all of us here in in Toronto in the six and listening to this record as a whole I mean like you said there are some bangers on this record that I love and I will always go back and listen to there's some songs that maybe I won't throw on every playlist that I make but yeah as a whole, I think it's a very cohesive record. It's got to be a good one to keep somebody's attention for 20 tracks. So I got to give them uh, mad props for that. That was the uh, review of Views by Kiara and Rolling <laughs> Stones, everybody. Oh my that God. That was really good. You oh, were like, it was you. a cohesive album. And I was like, yeah, like I literally just talked about like his beef with me. <laughs> You're like, no, like standalone as an album, it was, and I, I totally agree with you. Like he's got a lot of themes. He's got a lot of cultural references to Toronto, as you mentioned, and he does it in a way that's not, well, some people would argue it's kind of annoying, but I, I personally don't think it's annoying. I think he's just very proud and he shows his true self in his album, in all of his music. I totally agree. hundred percent. So Farah, at this point in the evening, my glass is empty. I have drank my back nine cocktail, <laughs> which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, how many back nine cocktails are you going to give views by Drake out of five back nine cocktails? Oh, okay. So I feel like I'm personally biased here. I want to give that it okay. I, I want to give this one a five, and I feel like I'm being an, a really basic person by giving it a five. But it is not personally because I I love this album, especially at a time when we're not allowed to go out and do things. This album brings me back to a time where I was going out and I was doing things, and even as I was listening to this album for the podcast it brought me back to the reasons why I wanted to move to Toronto and how fun the city is and how much culture and how vibrant it is and you know of course I I love Drake as a person as a whole I'm a huge fan I have a girl like a huge crush on him (laughs) Um, I was gonna say girl crush but that's not the right terminology Farah hello um so five out of five back nines for me he he literally turned the six upside down as it's a nine now um, it's a destination that people want to go to. And we have some, some street cred here in Canada. And I also don't think it's you being biased, uh, you know, rating the record high when you have a personal relationship with it. Right. I mean, yeah. like, I love when we ha- we talk about those kinds of records on the pod that mean so much to people that it can actually, it has the power to physically like take you somewhere else, whether that's like in your life or it's like a fantasy world, whatever it is, like that's the power of a good music. Um, for me, this, this record isn't, it's not gonna be a five for me. I'm going to give it a four though. I'm going to okay. definitely give it a four. <laughs> you can give it a three and a half. I won't be offended. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I am going to give it a four. I'm definitely going to give it a four because artistically, I think, uh, it, I wouldn't go any less than 80%. I, I think yeah. it was a great record. I'm surprised. Honestly, it didn't win the Grammys it was nominated for, but I do think as a, as a unit, as a whole, it was a great rap record. And for somebody like me who, who likes rap, who appreciates rap, but I'm not mm-hmm. as knowledgeable. It's also a great way to kind of, um, get yourself into the genre. I love him. I love him. I love him too. <laughs> Always Jimmy forever. Aubrey. <laughs> Well, look, Farah, um, I've got to thank you for coming back on the pod. It's been so nice chatting with you tonight. And uh, I'm I'm so excited to have you back again. I've lost count of how many times you've been on the pod. Again, you're one of yeah. our one of our favorite people to come and and, and talk talk about music with. So um thank you again for coming. And uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, who knows, maybe one day in the near future we won't have to do this virtually. I know. Kiki, glad you love me. <laughs> There's the joke. (laughs) Yeah, there's the joke. Thank you for having me on the pod. Always a pleasure to be here. And yeah, I, I can't wait to see where the next pod takes us.
Who knows? Listeners are going to have to wait and see on that one. Cliffhanger, cliffhanger alert. (laughs) 